you're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite! First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Great to be with you this morning, City on Hill. Who is, by show of hands, enjoying this series so far? We're into like week three. And, and keep your hands raised if, you, if, if you've learned one thing that you found helpful for your faith. Hey, praise the Lord for that. God's at work in our midst. We want to give him all the honor and glory. Uh, to kick us off, who can yell out with a loud voice while I'm holding in my hand? A mirror. And no, I don't carry this around in my back pocket. My backpack. It's been in my backpack. Interestingly, uh, fun fact, mirrors like this uh, weren't actually invented until the early uh, 19th century. Uh, Back then, it was something that only the affluent and the wealthy would have. Uh, Today, of course, uh, mirrors are everywhere. Mirrors in our bathrooms, in our bedrooms, mirrors in the the barber. Uh, Go to a gym, what are you going to see? Mirrors, right? And of course, mirrors are of some value, right? I, I, I can see if a hair's out of place. I can see if I've left a bit of breakfast uh, in my teeth, right? They are of some value, but that value is, is limited. Because when we look in a mirror, when you look in a mirror, you only get a limited perspective. Or another way to say, it, say that is there is so much more to you than what you see in the mirror, uh, humanity, as we know, is not this two-dimensional uh, reflection, but actually the Bible teaches us that when God made us, uh, he, yes, He gifted you with a body, but He made you with a, with a mind, a soul, and, and a heart. And another thing we discover in the Bible is that while we are prone to look on the outside, Right? Man uh, judges on the outside. The Lord looks where? He looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. Right? So the Lord doesn't see what man sees. He doesn't look the way that man looks. We, we are fixated on outward appearance, what a person's wearing, how they appear. Right? And, th- and there's a place for those things. But the Lord looks at the heart, God's interest and care for you. It uh, doesn't rest on your appearance. It, it doesn't rest on your uh, uh, outward gifts or even your outward accomplishments. At the end of the day, when it comes to God, what He cares about most is your soul. He cares about you, who you truly are. Not you, the worker, not you, the student. He cares about who you are in His presence before Him. The vine, the trellis, and the crow. Seven-week journey where we're seeking to be challenged, equipped, and encouraged to grow in 
Christ. In week one, we laid a foundation for our series with a look at John 15, the image of a vineyard, uh, and the call that God has made you to flourish in Christ. And then last weekend, we looked at the rule of life, which is, if you like, the trellis, the rhythms, the practices that help us sustain and and strengthen uh, our walk with Jesus. Today and over the next few weeks, we're going to look a little closer now at the kind of rhythms and practices. We've already heard a few today, but we're going to look over the next few days, about the next few weeks, over the kind of practices and rhythms that I think are going to be so very helpful when it comes to you flourishing in Christ. These are the kinds of things that, that you want to build in your rule of life. Remember, one of the goals is that we'd all at some point, find that tree, build our own, write out our own rule of life. Over the next few weeks, we're going to look at the kind of rhythms, kind of practices, the kind of spiritual disciplines that will help you grow if you're committed. This morning, we're going to look at one of the most overlooked spiritual disciplines, and it is the practice of spiritual examination. It's the practice of spiritual examination. What do I mean by that? Uh, Spiritual examination is a regular and intentional practice where believers step out from the busyness of their world to prayerfully consider their lives through the lens of the gospel. Right? It's a moment to enter into God's presence and examine those deeper parts of ourselves that cannot be revealed by the mirror. Yes, we want to look at our words. Yes, we want to look at our actions and our behavior. But we also want to enter God's presence to understand the heart, the mind, the soul as the Lord sees. Now, I want to be upfront and say that for most of us, this will be very new. For most of us, this will be very new, um, we, we tend to move through life at a rapid rate. There's a lot of pace in our world. There's a lot of pressure in our world. And so the idea of, of spiritual examination, taking that time is quite rare. That could be because we're busy. Uh, that could be uh, because you've never been taught. No one ever told you what spiritual examination is and how you can practice it in your life. I suspect, however, that one of the main reasons we don't practice spiritual examination is because a lot of us are afraid of what we might see and then very nervous about what we should do with what we see. And this is so very important when it comes to your spiritual formation. Think about it. When it comes to your life, there are things in your life that are clear to yourself that you know are clear to other people about who you are. But then, of course, there are the realities, and this is where it gets a little bit scary, where there are things that are clear to others about you, but are not so clear to yourself. And then, even a little bit more confronting, there are things that are known to us that we know that the people around us don't know. Um, Years ago, I came across uh, Joe Harry's uh, window. Who's seen this? Right, uh, I love the name, Joe Harry. It's put together by two psychologists, Joe and Harry, creative name. Uh, and it's, and it's, you know, there's lots of different ways you can use this in a team, in a community, uh, but of course as an individual and, and how we relate to 
one another. Now, if you look to the top left, uh, this is the, the open arena. So this is the area of your life that's clear to you. It's also clear to other people. It's your public life. Everybody knows this. You know this. Uh, but then if you move to the, to the right, into that yellow box, you enter into the, the blind spot. So this is the part of yourself that you don't quite see, but others around you see. Then, a little bit more uncomfortable, is the hidden area of your life. The things that you know that the people around you don't know. Right? Now, work with me here. No one yell out anything at this point. (laughs) But by show of hands, who would say they have something in their life that they know about themselves, something that happened, something you've experienced, something you've been through, something about you that you know that the people around you don't know? Right? Raise your hand. Okay, now just have a look around. Right? Humanity, we are complex. And then, of course, is the open area, uh, the unknown area. This is what I don't see within me um, and others don't see. Now, I find this very, very helpful because what does it tell me? It tells me that when I think about my own life, when we think about who we are, we don't always see the full picture. And that's important because when it comes to spiritual formation, when it comes to relating well with others, building meaningful relationships, when it comes to growing in Christ, you need to know God and you need to know yourself. A Christian needs to know God and they need to know themselves. Augustine, Augustine used to pray this prayer, Lord Jesus, let me know myself and know you. That is a key to unlocking a flourishing life. Lord Jesus, let me know myself and know you. That is what I'm praying for you today. That's what I'm praying for myself. Lord, help me to know me. Help me to know you. Uh, This message is going to come in three parts. Part one, I want to lay something of a biblical foundation for spiritual examination. Second of all, I want to dive into some of the practicalities. How do we actually go about this? And there's a lot that we could share there. I'm just going to highlight three ways we can do that. And then the third part, we're going to open up for some Q&A. Sound good? All right, so first, what does the Bible have to say about spiritual examination? That's an important thing to ask. What does the Bible actually tell us? A lot of different passages we go to. Here's a few. Jesus says in Matthew, this is the one we just heard, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a big log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So Jesus is making the important yet often overlooked point that when we examine others, we rarely see the situation rightly. But not only that, in judging others, we almost always fail to see, to examine, to deal with our own sin. Look also to Paul's writing in uh, Corinthians. He's confronting here the issues, uh, division issues about uh, sharing the Lord's Supper. He says, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of Lord. Note this, let a person examine himself 
then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. There's a call there. When you share the Lord's Supper, when you come together as God's people, examine yourself. Look also, 2 Corinthians 13, Paul says, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? So what's the point? The point is that you may be raised in a Christian family. uh, You may go to a Christian school. You may sing a few Christian songs. You may attend church. You may participate in the Lord's Supper. All great. But as Billy Sunday once said, going to church on a Sunday doesn't make you a Christian any more than standing in a garage makes you a car. So what do we do with that? Paul says, examine yourself. Test that you are truly in the faith. What should I be examining at this point? Well, for one, examine the beliefs of your heart. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So examine your beliefs. Is that all that we should examine? No. We should also be looking for spiritual fruit. Right? Jesus was often teaching his disciples to look out for spiritual fruit. You will know they are my disciples by their love. Right? How do you know an apple tree is an apple tree? It has. Right. If you're walking along in life and you see a few lemons, you've got to start examining that, asking questions about that. As Christians, we are to examine our life to see a movement of grace where spiritual fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control is beginning to be evident in that person's life. It's not to say that you should be flourishing in every area perfectly. It's not going to say that you're going to have hard seasons and difficult seasons and moments of sin. Right? The Christian life is a struggle. It's a war. There's going to be battles. But when it comes to testing our faith is genuine, we're going to want to be seeing that by the power of the Spirit, each day we're becoming a little bit less like the world and a little bit more like Jesus. Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, watch your life and your doctrine closely. Examine your beliefs because people have a propensity to drift. And don't just watch your beliefs, Timothy. Watch your life because people have a tendency to drift, to compromise. Watch it closely. Examine yourself. Now, how do we go about this? How do we examine our lives through the lens of the gospel? We're going to get really, really practical. As I said, three helpful ideas. Feel free to jot them down. 
I'm sure you can think of others, talk them through in your gospel communities. The practice of spiritual examination. Here are a few ideas. First, ask yourself honest questions. Ask yourself honest questions. Everybody knows the importance, you know, if you're out at a dinner date or whatever it is, of asking good questions of others, and that's great. But what people rarely do is ask good questions of themselves. It's not to say that you aren't asking questions. Every day that we wake up, we're faced with a million and one questions. Should I wear blue jeans or black jeans? Should I catch the train or the bus? Should I wear a denim shirt or a denim shirt? And that's good. You've got to ask those questions. But let me encourage you, if you want to grow in your spiritual formation, you need to go below the surface and ask deeper questions of yourself. Good, honest question that begins to reflect on the life you are living. Right? We don't learn through experience. We learn through reflecting on our experiences. So reflect on your behavior. Why did I respond to that person in this way? Why did I say it like that? And not this. How am I feeling towards God today? How am I feeling towards that person? And why? What's underneath that? So in my rule of life, once a month, I work through uh, John Wesley's 22 questions. And Wesley, uh, passionate guy about discipleship, penned 22 questions for himself and for others. So once a month, I seek to work through these questions. Here's a snapshot of those questions. We can bring them on up. Uh, Am I honest in all my acts and words, or do I exaggerate? That's hard for a preacher. Oh, second one's hard as well. Am I a slave to dress, friends, work, or habits? Am I enjoying prayer? Hmm. When did I last speak to someone else about my faith? Am I jealous, impure, critical, irritable, touchy, or distrustful? Uh, is there anyone whom I fear, dislike, disown, criticize, hold a resentment toward or disregard? If so, what am I doing about it? Do I grumble or complain constantly? Is Christ real to me? Now, this isn't a pass or fail quiz, but a line of thoughtful and biblical questions to help you examine your life. And here's the key. You have to be honest with yourself. We approach this biblically, spiritually, but honestly, right? Otherwise, it's just so easy for me to go through that and answer it the way I would like it to be answered. And that's very different. Am I enjoying prayer? Of course I'm enjoying prayer. I'm a pastor. I love prayer, always, every day. Do I grumble or complain? Never. In fact, love this moment. I was actually thinking through, sketching out some notes to this very sermon, sitting on a lovely white couch at home, beautiful afternoon, when our cute little rabbit decides to jump up onto the white couch next to me, snuggles on in. Right? Her name's Muffin. I'm like, how beautiful is the world and God's creation? And then she just jumps off the white couch. And what do I see? A great pool of wee rabbit. Uh, rabbit wee, not wee rabbit. <laughs> That would be a small rabbit. It is small. (laughs) And she just scurries off. No, I'm sorry about that. No, I'll clean it up later. No, I'll buy you a new couch. Just zero responsibility. 
But you know what I do? I thank the Lord. Because <laughs> I'm a pastor. And I hope you know that as we work through this, and even you look at my rule of life, and go, man, he's perfect, right? I love this quote uh, by James Wilhoyt. It was actually uh, my lecturer at, at, uh, at uh, where did I study again? Wheaton. And he's written a great book on spiritual formation. I commend it to you. He says, A basic premise in medical care is that you'll be honest in describing your symptoms to the examining physician. A basic tenet in spiritual care is that honesty before God precedes healing. So you can use Wesley's 22 questions. You could use George Whitfield. It's uh, 15 questions. Uh, you can pen your own. Uh, make sure they're biblical. They're drawing you towards Christ's likeness. Again, that's the goal. And ask the Lord to help you be honest. Second, uh, you want to surround yourself with a few good mates. I say a few because there's a temptation in our world today to surround ourselves with hundreds of people who will pander to what we want. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying you need one, maybe two good mates. Um, And the point here is quite obvious, isn't it? You you can learn quite a bit about yourself by asking good questions of yourself or having someone to support you in that. But equally, your your friends will have a, a perspective. If you're married, your husband or wife will have a perspective. Um... And what does a good mate do? They don't just pat you on the back. They're there to encourage, they're there to support, they're also there to correct. You get up in the morning, you're walking out in your day and you've got lipstick on your teeth or your flyers open. A good friend is not just going to smile at your demise. Right? They're going to casually, quietly, lovingly help you out there. The same has got to be true in a great friendship when it comes to our spiritual life. Um, Hey, there's something about your character at the moment that feels a little off, a little out of step. What's going on there? Hey, you know the way that you responded to that girl the other day? Man, that was, I don't know what you were thinking, but to me it sounded like X. Um... How's your prayer life going? What are you learning about God at the moment? What sins are you putting to death? Right? Honest friends should be able to talk like that together. In my experience, most of us are way too polite. And so let me just encourage you not necessarily to wait for friends to, to kind of jump into that space, but actually to create a climate and invite that. Be intentional about it, Right? Um, be intentional. Maybe, hey, can we catch up for a pint? If you're doing self-examination, maybe you need two pints, right? But ask them. Prayerfully consider the kind of questions and then invite them in. Is that going to be comfortable? Probably not. Uh, Will they always see as God sees, as you need to see? No. There's a chance they'll get some stuff wrong. But can it be helpful, transformative for you? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and what I would say in that is... Yeah. 
We've all had stressful mornings. And I, let me just say this. If you are a parent here who brings a kid to church and you drive in and you go up the stairs and you make it in and then you got it, like, man, praise God for you because that, I'd not, like, it's a lot of effort and work and patience from you, so I'm, I'm thankful for that. And don't ever think that a crying kid annoys me. It doesn't. Uh, it's totally part of our church life together, so just thank the Lord for that. Yeah, yeah. A little, a little bonus point just to add in there. Uh, what were we talking about? Honesty and friends and talking together. Um, here's the other thing I would say. Don't just be the one friend who's always picking on the other person's faults. Right? Some of us have a tendency, we know this, they're a little bit critical, right? And there's a, pla- there's a place for that in God's world. We need right, critical thinkers. But don't just be the person who's always talking about what's wrong. Don't be just the person who's always highlighting the flaw, right? It, 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 the Bible, 1 Thessalonians, calls us to encourage one another and build each other up. Right, And I, I think this is an Australian, if you're an Aussie here, this is a really hard verse to obey. <laughs> right? I, I've spent a lot of time in, in, in the States and it seems that Americans are really affirming and encouraging. They just want to get in your face and encourage you. And it's, that's, I love that. Aussies, I mean, I've been to like 185 weddings and the best man, I tell you, like nine times out of ten, just feels that it's his job to get up there and tear down his mate. That's Aussie culture, and some guys like that, and I get that. But I actually think, as a discipline, we should be encouraging one another. Because life is hard. Life is difficult. There are pressures. And I know that when you walk through this life, man, you can feel like a disappointment. You're disappointing your boss at work. You're disappointing your husband, your wife. You disappointed that friend, that person in your gospel community. You look in the mirror, you feel like a disappointment to yourself. And sometimes you even feel like a disappointment before God. Let me just tell you that you matter. You matter to God. You're not an accident. You're not here as an accident. When God created this world... And he imagined all the possible scenarios. He said, I want that woman in this world. I want that guy in this world. You've been fearfully and wonderfully made. He cares for you. He sees you. He knows the difficulties. He knows the pressure. And he rejoices over you. He's not standing with a furrowed brow, turning his head. He rejoices in who you are in Christ. Jesus, the gifts that you have, the growth. Oh, you're not perfect. No one's perfect. But by God's grace, you've come a long way and you're doing great stuff and you should be encouraged. And I want to encourage you to encourage others. We should be a culture. Church, people should just walk on here and just be in a swimming in encouragement. Not flattery, gospel encouragement that is identifying in people the gifts that God has given them, the growth that they're seeing, the encouragement that they are. I, I, I remember, um, must have been around October last year, the church went through a little uh, rocky season publicly. <laughs> and um, Sue Dean, I think, is here with us this morning. It's just a ball of energy and prayer and encouragement. She hands me uh, an envelope chock full of paper. 
I think, wow, is this full of cash? This is awesome. <laughs> uh, it was actually something much better. Uh, she was part of a gospel community, uh, may still be, there like 20, 30 people in that group, and they'd prayerfully taken time in their gospel community to individually write thoughtful, biblical words of encouragement to me. And I was floored by the thoughtfulness, the depth of intentionality, the care. Uh, I, I've held on to that envelope ever since. All of us are made to dwell in God's presence. All of us are eager for encouragement. That's how God has wired us to relate to one another. So be, be purposeful in this. Again, this is the kind of stuff you want to write into your rule of life. What if once a month, hypothetically, once a month, you were intentional about finding one person to encourage in a desperate way, a desperate way, in an eager, intentional way? Just find one person. It's not saying that's the only person you should encourage, but if you have a disciplined practice of that, that'll fuel spontaneity in your life. So be creative with that. Um, so ask good questions, find a few good mates. Third and finally, uh, practice the examine. Now, now, by show of hands, who's heard me uh, speak about the examine before? A few of us, right? Who, who, who practices the examine? Okay, only a few of us. Let me say that, and again, this is just, I, it's personal, but for me, practicing the examine, which has been a new thing for me in the last, like, two years, has probably been one of the most helpful things for my walk with Jesus, Practicing the examine has been probably one of the most helpful things for me personally when it comes to my own walk with Jesus. And I'll explain why in a moment. If you are interested in, in a deep dive on the examine, a really accessible book, uh, just come on up now. You can find a lot out there, but this is an accessible book. Um, highly recommend. Simple, you can read it on a plane flight. Um, really, really helpful. And it goes into the detail, uh, and I just commend that to you. Um, the examine was put together by Ignatius, or people know him as Saint Ignatius from the 15th century. Uh, he actually wasn't a saint starting out. Uh, <laughs> he was quite a rebel, in fact. He was raised in a very wealthy, affluent home, uh, pursued women and, and excess light, he, uh, life. He, he was uh, arrested for street brawling. Um, but his kind of life started to kind of find its way when he joined the military. He was very successful in the military, had in many ways the, the world at his feet. Uh, that was, of course, until the French shot a cannonball that took out his legs and he was plummeting into a sea of loneliness and boredom uh, as he sought his recovery. And he was an avid reader, uh, you know, loved romance books and adventure books and he asked for some, some good books. But unfortunately, or unfortunately for the house he was in, there was none of those books. There was only the Bible and stories about Jesus and the church. And so here he is with no other option, in his complete boredom, reading for the first time about Jesus. And it, it, it moved him very powerfully. And uh, it changed him. He realized in that moment that when it came to life, the abundant life, the flourishing life, that it ain't going to be found in military success or chasing women or all of these, or wealth. It was going to be by walking with Jesus. And 
part of his discipline, which you know passed on through the ages now, was to kind of help people move through these steps of self-examination. There's lots of variations to this. Here's the original. This is what I would pray of the evening. Usually it's about a 10 to 15 minutes. You could be longer, you could be shorter. Here's five steps. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to jot these down. Uh, so you could practice it even tonight. Uh, step one in the examined prayer, you ask God for light. Again, really, really important that as I'm praying, I'm saying, Lord, uh, as I now approach the day that I've just lived, uh, Holy Spirit, fill me, help me see what you want me to see. So I'm not trying to find the answers deep within. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to lead me, to guide me. Second, so important, you start with thanks. So you walk through your day and, and you give Thanks to God for his every good gift and blessing. Now, I'll be honest with you, I'm a forward-thinking kind of guy. Um, I, I always, I have a tendency to be thinking about tomorrow and what's coming up next. Uh, I think that's probably part of my wiring as a leader. You've got you to anticipate what's coming, good and bad. A lot of people are like that. They're thinking about their next whatever. Um, the exam, and this is why I say really, really helpful for me because it, it makes me stop and rather being thankful about some future thing that's coming up, be thankful about the day that I've just been in. And not just the big monumental things, but the everyday little things. Thank you, Lord, that when I woke up, my heart was beating. Thank you this morning that when I woke up, the sky was clear. And the air was fresh. Thank you, Lord, for that first sip of coffee. Thank you, Lord, for the train that was on time this morning. Thank you, Lord, that I get to be part of this church and worship with brothers and sisters. Thank you. Right, so you move through your day giving thanks, intentional thanks. Uh, Third, Now you want to review the day and ask God to help you see what he wants you to see. Uh, You could walk through the day chronologically. Okay, let me just play back my day. You could walk through the day relationally. Who were the people that I interacted with? How were those conversations? What was said to me? What did I share with other people? You could walk through it vocationally. That is to say, this is who I am called to be. And so, Lord, let me look through my day through that lens to see if I drifted towards that or away from that calling. Number four, and this is challenging. Now I want to walk through my day and and face my shortcomings. I think it's John, 1 John 4, he who says he is without sin is a liar, a deceiver, and the truth is not in them. I want to face my shortcomings. Most people, when they think of sin, think of big sins. Did you hear about X and they did Y? Whoa, that's sin. But I've come to realize that sin is like a shadow and it's in the subtlety of life. You may not have robbed a 7-Eleven 
But did you roll your eyes when the cashier was distracted and on their phone and holding you up? Uh, You may not have stolen from your boss at work. Your boss at work might be kind of happy with your job. But did you truly work today as if working for the Lord? Um, Did I, as a husband serve my wife today as the sacrificial servant head? Did I give her a mirror today of Christ's sacrificial love or did I see what was difficult and drift away into my own selfishness and pride? Now, of course, we're Christians, so when we do this, we're doing this in a sea of God's grace. This is not self, um, self-obsession or get out of whip because I didn't do this and I didn't do that. I'm in the presence of God at this moment. I know that his mercy is anew every day. And I know he wants me to be honest about these things because healing doesn't take place in darkness, but in light. And that leads to the fifth and final step in the prayer of examiners. Now let's look forward to the day ahead. Lord, if it's your will for me to arise tomorrow morning, help me to live for you. So what's tomorrow? Monday? Uh, Monday for me is I get up really early and I go for, I I come into the city, train in the city and I do a run, Lord willingly, around the tan and I'll come back and getting up at that time after a big day of preaching sucks, um, but I like to do one sucky thing every day because I know it's going to be helpful for me and then after that um, I'll have some time of prayer and then I'll spend the first three to four hours looking at texts and passages and thinking about next Sunday's sermon. Uh, Then at noon, we actually have an uh, all-Melbourne staff, uh, we're calling it a pause and reflect afternoon, so all the staff are going to come together. It's an opportunity for us to actually look back on the last six months, uh, give thanks to the Lord for how we're progressing, think about what's coming up ahead. After that, I'll then come home probably around six, uh, greet my wife, my kids, Vanessa usually has a meeting Monday night, so then it's my job to wrestle off the screens from the kids, help out with dinner and cleaning up, put my youngest to bed. Uh, My eldest daughter's probably working, so I've got to pick her up at probably about nine, Uh, come back, uh, and then reconnect with my wife and then close out the day. Now, (laughs) right? It's just like a, it's just a day. Now, what's a prayer of examine? What am I going to be praying for tonight? It's not just that I survive and get through it. Lord, would you use every opportunity tomorrow to help me be like Jesus? When I run, don't let me just run like a man. Let me run in the strength and in the presence of Jesus. You know how fun it is going for a run with Jesus? He's so inspiring. He doesn't tear you down. He's encouraging you. Let's go. Let's go. Love that. And when I'm with my staff, I, don't want, I, I want to be present with them. I want to listen well. I want to love generously. I want to be a presence of Jesus in their midst. And when I get home, I don't want to shrink under the c- complaints of four kids and a rabbit that's prone to wee on everything. Lord, give me the strength, the energy, the love, the peace, the patience, the gentleness, the kindness, the self-control to be like Jesus. That tomorrow night, 
a little bit more of me is a little bit more like Christ. And I hope you can hear in that the longing I have for the Spirit to be at work. You know, there is a tension between our responsibility and rule of life. It's do this, practice that, get this in place. I get that, and we've said that, and I hope you know that. But of course, I can do nothing without the Spirit of God. In fact, everything that is of substance and meaning that I want unearthed in me is only possible by the Spirit. Right? You, we've got a lot of parents here. What you want in your children ultimately can only be accomplished in the Spirit of God. What you want to see in your husband, your wife, your friend, and of course what you need from yourself only the Spirit can do. So the Christian, when it comes to self-examination, enters the Spirit, calls for that Spirit. As we finish, I want to end on some scripture for you, which I think just captures the essence of self-examination. Spiritual examination. Psalm 139, David says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. The world around us may never see what is happening below the surface. Your friends may not know. Sometimes we don't even know why we think and do what we do. The psalmist finds comfort in knowing that God knows. God knows you personally. God knows you deeply. And what does the psalmist do in his comfort? He invites God in. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there is any grievous way in me and lead me, Lord in the way of everlasting. There's a great moment in the movie, uh, The Talented Mr. Ripley. Complex character, complex movie. Um, He's grappling with his identity, and in a moment of vulnerability and honesty, he says this. He says, don't you take the past and just put it in a room in the basement and lock the door and never go in there? That's what I do. And then you meet someone special and all you want to do is toss them the key. Say, open up, step inside, but you can't because it's dark. There are demons and it's ugly. We all feel this. On one hand, we long to be known personally, completely and deeply. We long to live an authentic life. We long to hand someone the key and yet we're afraid. We know we're not all bad, but we also know that we're not all good. There's darkness, there's brokenness, there's pain. But this is what makes the gospel good news. In Jesus, you are fully known and fully loved. In love, God came to pursue you. In love, God came to rescue you. Jesus gave up his own life for you to deal with our mess and sin. And he extends a hand of grace. So what does that mean? It means that 
the Christian can hand the key over to God. Search me, O Lord. Search my heart. Search my basement. Search and see if there's anything of offense within. And Lord, would you lead me in the way of everlasting life? That is the essence of spiritual examination. I'll give you a moment now to stand and stretch. And then Steph will join me for some Q&A. We're going to dive into some questions. We've got a lot of questions. Uh, we're going to answer a couple uh, th- this morning. Uh, so we'll dive into our first question. As someone that is overly critical, how do you engage in this process without falling into comparison or self-loathing? I assume that they're mm. speaking about yeah, themselves. <laughs> not yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah uh, I, I think this is great. And, and this is actually where I think the examine can be helpful because whilst it does invite you to you know, to confront your shortcomings, it also begins with a posture of thankfulness. And obviously, in my example, you know, I talked about coffee and things like that, but let me encourage you to be thankful for the way God is at work in you. So I think if you have a practice that front loads the thankfulness in, 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 in who you are and what you're seeing God do in your life, uh, that would be part of the answer here. Um, you know, obviously, Martin Lloyd-Jones talks about preaching the gospel to yourself uh, that's also being a really, really helpful thing um, to remember that we're, that we're grace-filled, grace-led people. Uh, we know the evil one comes to, um, to deceive, to accuse, and so praying against that, uh, praying in the armor of God. Um, I think, like, this is something, obviously, if, for the person who's asked, is to work this out with someone else to see where are you on that scale. Sometimes I would say it's good to be critical with yourself, Um, because there are areas in our life that God wants to grow. It's a difference, isn't it, spiritually, between condemnation and conviction. So if you're the person who's just feeling condemned and God hates me and I'm going to hell and you really truly have given your life to Jesus and you really truly, right, then to say, Satan, you have no place, you you have no authority over me. I rest secure in the hand of God. I've been born again. I'm a new creation, right? Like, preach the gospel to yourself. I've been born again, right? But the Spirit is also wanting to convict you. And like I said, that can be uncomfortable. Uh, and in our culture today, that, that's very, you know, um, they don't, we don't tend to like that kind of conversation. But I feel it's okay to be confronted from time to time. It's good to stare squarely at your sin, and it will be ugly, and it will require hard work. 
but in the grace of God, trust the process, trust that the Spirit is wanting you to face it, that you might, in Him, overcome it. Excellent. Thank you. Let's go to our next question. How do we ensure that the rules of life or trellis we build do not make us like a Pharisee that have rules upon rules and we're heavily criticized by Jesus? Yeah. So I wanted to start with examination because I think it pinpoints this very issue. You'll notice that when Jesus talks with the Pharisees, he calls them a bunch of hypocrites. In fact, he uses the analogy of whitewashed tombs. Why? Because on the outside, they looked glorious. On the outside, they had all of the things in the rightful place, and they practiced this and they practiced that. But then he challenges them and says, yeah, you looked nice and shiny on the outside, but on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones. Why? Because man looks at the outward appearance, the Lord looks at the heart. And so that's why examination, spiritual examination is really, really important. Um, the Pharisees didn't love Jesus and their heart was far from God. Not only did they create excessive amount of rules, but Jesus highlights that they were full of greed, they were full of lust, they were full of envy, uh, so they weren't capturing the essence of the law. They did not love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. So remember that when we're talking about a rule of life and a trellis, this is a means of grace to help your love in God grow. Uh, if, if it's just giving you boxes to tick to make you lean more on yourself, then you've missed the essence of a rule of life. A rule of life exists to help you keep Jesus at the center. Excellent. Very helpful. We've got our next question. <clears throat> I'm, I'm currently in a huge struggle of my own identity. Where do I start? How can I also undo mm. the hurt and things that people have said about me in the process? Love that. Love the honesty of that question. Mm. Where would you start, Steph? <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I, I love the honesty in that question. And um, I know it's a question a lot of us wrestle through. Uh, to varying degrees, uh, we wrestle through it. Uh, I actually haven't read it, but Brian Rosner has a great book. It's a great book. I've read it. It's you have read it. So, what? Book. Tell me about that book. Oh, well, I mean, it's one called? of the things that stood out to me it's, is it's called Known by God. Yes. Um, and one of the things that stood out to me is just that identification that you know, in our climate at the moment, it's very fashionable to create your own identity. Identity used to be a gift that was given to us. We knew that <laughs> it wasn't something we created and formulated ourselves. It was a gift that we received. We're part of a network of families. Uh, we exist in community. We have a particular relational responsibilities. Um, and, and we receive those things, and that shapes how we understand ourselves uh, and what that means to live that out and to be faithful in that. These days, it's like, well, who do, where, where do I go? How, who do I want to be? Where do I want to create my networks and my, what's important to me? And, and that can be very very confusing because where do you go for a foundation? So I think, um, you know, reading the Bible is just so helpful. It's the best place to start with understanding who you are, made by God. I love that today. Made by God, known by Him. We sung about being made yeah. uh, to be in full communion with Him. That's who you are. Most fundamentally, you are someone who's made by God, known by God, made to know Him and love Him. And the more you understand what that looks like in the Scripture, you receive your identity as a gift that is given, not something that is formulated by yourself. You've got a foundation 
And exploring what that looks like in your own personal context and circumstance, that's, some, that's part of the adventure. Uh, but that's really finding the expression of something mm. that's been given to you by God. That's yeah. great. I think in terms of starting, and, and Steph's spot on in terms of God's Word, and, and maybe just some other like additional things to be thinking about that. I think if, if someone has truly hurt you, um, and, and people do hurt us to varying degrees, and that's hard and that's bad, and... and um, there's an asymmetry when it comes to evil in our life. It sticks to us in a, in a more uh, powerful and, and damaging way than even encouragement can. Um, really, really important for you to be able to articulate that. Um, the Bible, the Psalms have so many... Uh, there's so much voice to that hurt, and, and you hear it. And so, that again, that honest, authentic um, communication with God. So don't just leave this stuff under the surface. That's the whole point of throwing God the key, to actually be able to name these things. Trust that God is powerful to take these things and deal with these things. Um, now, excellent if you've got a good Christian counselor who can help you work through those things. Sometimes it's just, it can be helpful to get very practical. One, this little exercise we did with our kids, Ness came up with, it was really great. Um, it was, term, you know, in terms of sin, it's like we got them all to write on a piece of paper the things that they felt were hard and difficult, the sins in their life. Um, write it, you know, for them to write it on a little piece of paper and then uh, we threw it in the fire. Um, to model that uh, in Jesus, he wants to put these things to death. Uh, Paul talks about putting on new clothes, taking off the old clothes. So sometimes something practical like that can be really helpful. The last little quick thing is please, please, please surround yourself with some good friends. Um, I think the enemy wants to isolate you in something like that. He wants to condemn you and isolate you. Um, If you want to get, uh, we need good people in our life who can encourage us. That requires you to be vulnerable and honest and say, hey, I'm doing it difficult. Can you help carry me? Can you help me get through this next season? Uh, I've personally found that of so much significance and importance in my own life. When I felt like I was in a pit, having a good, a, a couple of good friends to help walk with me was everything. Uh, now, there are other seasons in my life where I can offer that to them, uh, but I think reaching out for, for others to help there is, is a really good start. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.